Hello, free thinkers. I'm Mickey Z, and I welcome you to Post Woke, the New York City-based podcast where we practice intellectual self-defense. My guest this episode is a return appearance by Dr. Merrill Nass. If you haven't already listened to Post Woke episode number 32, I suggest you do that either before this or after just to get the full context of her important work. We have another essential conversation here about topics that affect all of us and all aspects of our life. The conversation ran a little longer than I expected, so we're going to get right to it after this word from our sponsor. Hey, Mickey Z here asking you to become a paid subscriber to Post Woke. This is my Substack where I produce daily content, uh, articles, posts, and podcasts. And some of it is exclusively for paid subscribers. And also paid subscribers are the ones who are able to comment on such posts. So for just $5 a month, less than 17 cents a day, you get access to all of this. And you also are offering essential support for a project that I want to keep going and growing. So I thank you in advance for that. In the meantime, please feel free to peruse the show notes to find a link for the project that I've been running for nearly six years, a one-man mission to help homeless women on the streets of New York City. Also in the show notes, you will find a link to purchase a really cool post-woke t-shirt to let the world know what your favorite podcast is. And one more thing in the show notes is a link to my NFT photography collection in case you're interested in purchasing a non-fungible token. So I thank you for your time and for checking out all those links. And please, please consider becoming a paid subscriber. It makes a huge difference. I thank you in advance and let's get back to the show. And I'm here with Dr. Merrill Ness. Meryl, welcome back to Post Woke. Hi, thanks for having me again, Mickey. Oh, it's my pleasure. I appreciate you being here. Um, we spoke on episode number 32. And so I, before we get into anything else, is there anything you'd like to share about the case that we discussed, that you're involved in, and that we discussed in the previous episode? So um, I'm actually involved in two cases. I, I am suing the medical board for them summarily spent, suspending my license with no evidence that I had caused anybody any harm or would. And then the medical board um, is in the process of getting ready to have a hearing where I will finally get to present my case to them. And then the same people who voted unanimously to suspend my license are expected to give me a fair hearing. <laughs> And then revote on it on the matter, having now um, made me it put me out of work for the last six months. So it'll be interesting to see how that works. They're, they don't seem to have due process in boards. Wow. So, so based on anything you know, is there any precedent of this board suspending someone's license and then after the hearing returning it? Do you do you have any sense of? of I have not heard that that ever occurred. It's really, really unusual for them to do an immediate suspension of a license. Generally, you have to have raped a patient or you know be a substance abuser, serious substance abuser, and for that to happen. 
And of course, none of that was true in my case. And they had they didn't have a cause. So they had to create one, which was that I must be crazy. And so I was assigned a, a neuropsych exam that I had to pay for at the conclusion of their initial vote, um, which was a meeting where I didn't get to present anything. Um, so that's where we are. We're just waiting okay. for dates. All right. Well, I wish you luck with that. And I definitely will be checking in with you. Um, now, I follow your Substack, as I suggest everyone do. Check my recommendations list for that. Um, and in the relatively recent um, past, you've been writing a fair amount of revelatory um, articles and sharing information about the so-called monkeypox crisis. Um, could you elaborate a little bit on, on what you were sharing there and what the listeners should know about what's going on? Yes. So, um, Monkey, uh, do you have time for me to go into the background? Sure. Please okay. do. So monkeypox was first discovered, didn't exist before 1958 when it was found in a, colonies, a colony of monkeys that were brought to the United States. And um, subsequently, it's been found in some other rodents as it's a virus. It is in the smallpox and chickenpox family. And it's not really clear how serious it, it is. It was pretty rare. People have been saying in Africa that it's more common than it used to be. But because there are no really good, it's not a reportable disease in Africa, <clears throat> nobody really knows how common it is or was. <clears throat> in the United States, it never really spread person to person. People would get it from an animal very rarely and then uh, almost never spread it to another person, and nobody died. And in the current outbreak, where there's been uh, over 6,000 or 7,000 cases in Western countries now, nobody has died. There's supposedly a death uh, in Nigeria, uh, but you know we, we haven't been given any details about this. What it looks like is that it's a disease similar to chickenpox in severity, you get a fever, you have malaise, um, you may get swollen lymph nodes, and then you get a rash. And then a few weeks, the rash goes away and you're back to normal. Is this a disease that you need to take uh, a vaccine for when presumably the risk is low? Now, if you, what the CDC has done is a little tricky. They've been fooling the public. They're encouraging males who have sex with men to be vaccinated if they think they've had an exposure, if, they may, if they've had intercourse with someone they didn't know um, or someone who had a rash, get vaccinated. Well, the problem with that is the vaccine requires two doses spread out a month apart and, the, and you're not supposed to be immune until two weeks after the second dose. So it's gonna take you six weeks to develop immunity from the time you start the vaccine, but the disease has an average incubation period of eight and a half days. So obviously, if you've just had an exposure and then you get vaccinated and then you have to wait a month for the second dose, the vaccine is not gonna help you with that exposure. It might help you with a future exposure, but it's not gonna ha help you really with a past exposure. Um, CDC has not told people that they've incurred, you know, they've sent out thousands of doses and there are about 40 states now where at least one case has been reported in the U.S. Now, I've, I, my take is that the CDC is really anxious to get a lot of people to take this vaccine because it's never been tested for efficacy against any virus in humans before. Oh, boy. This is a vaccine that never should have been licensed. It was tested against monkeypox and rabbitpox in animals, 
and supposedly it worked for that. And then it was just given to a few thousand people, many of whom developed elevation of cardiac enzymes, which means they had some damage to heart muscle. And many of them developed EKG changes, but those changes were ignored by the manufacturer. Of course, the manufacturer, their initial contract with the federal government was for $500 million. And they've gotten you know more contracts recently over the last few years. So um, there was a lot of money at stake uh, to, to push this vaccine forward without evidence. And um, that so it happened. And interestingly, in September of 2019, the FDA gave the vac- this vaccine, Genios, a license. It was not licensed before that. So three months, two or three months before the COVID pandemic started, FDA suddenly licenses Genios. Even though it had no data, it had no efficacy data, it was basically illegal to license it because it, it couldn't correlate antibody levels in humans with efficacy there, there was no effort, you know, there was no way to assess efficacy. So, so that's where we are. We, ha- we have a vaccine that even though it has been claimed it is 85% successful, eff- effective, there's no data to support that. That wow. is a made up number. So is this vaccine also one that the vaccine maker has no liability for? Um, no, actually, it isn't because it does have a license. Okay. Um, now, that's a very interesting question. Um, I wonder if people are being asked to sign some sort of waiver when they uh, get vaccinated, because you would think that both the manufacturer and the FDA would want a liability waiver, and would maybe they have placed now. It is possible to place an already licensed product into a category like an EUA that gives it a liability waiver if it is being used for something it wasn't licensed for. But in this case, it was licensed for smallpox and monkeypox. Hmm. Um, So I don't know how they would do that. But, you know, our federal agencies have not been paying attention to the legal constraints that used to um, rule them. So goodness, you know, it's a wonderful question. And I'm going to look it up as soon as I get off the phone with you. Yeah, the same here. Because I, I, I was thinking, as you said, just a couple of months before COVID, they went ahead and licensed this this uh, vaccine, which you said is illegal to do. And immediately I said, oh, this must be covered by these all these vaccine acts. Or else they, they, it's just some sense of... Um, Obviously, there's a financial component here, but it, but it could be also just be the, the, the um, populace is so primed for vaccines. And if they're getting the monkeypox vaccine and they're getting their normal vaccines and they're getting booster after booster for COVID, how in the world would would um, the company would be even be held liable, right? Like, right. Like, like even if it's not technically, they're not technically liable, in terms of a legal case, what in, in our legal system. Point. If you don't have enough people taking the vaccine and nobody's measuring the side effects, you're right. You can say, well, that's due to the, the COVID vaccine you had four months ago. Or And sorry, that one we're not liable for. Yeah, yeah, exactly. if, you, if you blame everything on the COVID jab, then you're, you're scot-free. And it's, it's just, oh my God. Like, it, the, the, you, you would, I'm glad in a way that I don't, I, I don't stop getting shocked by their, their 
cunning audacity because I don't ever want to normalize it. But when when it get, when you just describe that, I'm just like, where do these? I guess it, I was gonna say, where do they end? I guess they don't end. They just keep pushing, and. Here in I live in New York City. Relatively recently, they opened a, a very small temporary clinic to give the shots, and they had to close it in like an hour or two because they ran out. People were rushing there for the monkeypox shots, and they ran out in no time. And I think I heard. I think this morning I I, I read something where they're going to do more clinics in New York. So they certainly. In, in depending on geography, there's certainly no shortage of people that will at this point line up for anything the officials want to put in their arm. So, but remember, the what the feds and New York City were trying to do was create a photo op of scarcity. And that story mm. ran all over the place. But that's because the FDA had only sent a thousand doses to New York City originally. And so they had only booked people, they'd only booked people through the Monday. It, they, they opened the clinic on a Tuesday or a Saturday, uh, not Tuesday, a Friday or a Saturday, and book people through Monday. That was it. Oh. So they didn't make enough appointments available. And if you went to the website, they said, well, call up, you know, and we'll be opening up appointments on Tuesday and thereafter. Um, but what they probably didn't do was, was to tell them before they got there that they were actually going to need two doses and that they were couldn't be expected to have immunity after one dose. So if you had just had a sexual encounter, forget it. You know, it wasn't going to help you. Oh my God! It's, it's it's so so by by performing scarcity, it builds up um, a demand, yes, a, a desire and a demand, right? For and also just it feeds more into this ongoing fear matrix of just almost just conditioning us to every time you get a, a bump or a bruise, you're immediately looking, you have a shot for that. Like it, it's like we're such compliant medical consumers at this point, because who's being encouraged to do preventative care or self-care, whatever, whatever that might be, or just, or just be judicious as to what symptom you get and, and not assume immediately that you have some exotic deadly disease. And certainly living in New York, it's, it's, um, it's it's a prime population for that. We, um, I walk around here. It's still people are just not giving up their masks or anything here, and so that population. Not, I wouldn't be surprised would uh, would knock down the door to get a monkeypox shot. Right, and they would have no idea that they were actually the guinea pigs. No idea. <laughs> And, and I sometimes wonder, I think of all the people, and I'm sure you way more than me, all the people I spoke to as the COVID shot began to roll out about, hey, do you, do you know if there's been um, trials and, and uh, you know, that the, the previous to this, the fastest vaccine was the mumps, which took four years to get out. And this one they're doing in a matter of months. I didn't get a lot of people who took pause in me saying anything like that. They just were like, damn, the torpedoes were going forward. So I, I, I wonder how many of these monkeypox customer shot customers would even be deterred if you said, well, you know, you're the guinea pigs, because that's already been normalized over the past, say, 15, 18 months. Yeah. Um, well, I guess we'll find out. Once more information comes out about the COVID shots, I think people will start to think a little more clearly about the issue. Let me correct you on something. There What's have that? been a couple of uh, vaccine programs that were rolled out in months before this. So in 1976, we had the swine flu vaccine rolled out in about six months. And remember, that one caused Guillain-Barre syndrome. They yes. vaccinated a quarter of the country and had to stop. And there were, you know, 
several thousand claims. The federal government took over the liability. Um, manufacturers didn't have any. Same thing happened um, 2009. Remember, we had, again, yes. swine flu scare. And the manufacturers, WHO had already arranged between manufacturers and countries that the manufacturers would have no liability. That when a pandemic came, there were contracts already signed that said the, the countries would deal with any liability issues, however they wanted. And um, so the manufacturers, again, in about six months, rolled out vaccines and um, over 1,300 people that we know of in Europe developed narcolepsy from one of the big GSK vaccines there called Pandemrix. Most of them were adolescents. Um, again, it turns out that that narcolepsy is a an autoimmune disease, and the vaccine triggered the death of certain cells in the brain that led to um, very wow. severe narcolepsy. And there have been suicides and other deaths in, in the kids that developed this because they, they could no longer lead a normal life. So, all right. So thank you very much for that clarification, because I really try to be as precise as I can with my language and that. So... So would it be correct then in me saying that, um, vac yes, vaccines have been rolled out in less than a year, but the track record is is uh, appalling. And yes. it, it certainly gives you cause to say, hey, what have they changed since those two examples you gave th that enables this quote unquote warp speed to actually work? And the, the mumps example, is a, it's that's from a bygone era. Okay, so I really appreciate that because I want to make sure that when when I talk to when I'm writing or I talk to anyone that I that I'm on point here. But as, but as you just detailed, it's it's not exactly encouraging that when they roll it out that it, that the results are even remotely um, productive. Yes, exactly. We've had three out of three. You know, we're batting zero on rapid rollout of vaccines with these three cases. Now. Based on, on your conversations and your knowledge, do you feel, because you mentioned this, when more people know about the side effects of the COVID jab, do you feel that that is imminent? Do you feel that that is something that can't be kept and suppressed um, much longer? Is it something that we could say, um, like, for example, the uh, the VAERS will be taken more seriously or uh, what kind of timetable do you imagine where the general public is going to start asking some really serious questions about this? So there are two issues. There's does, does the vaccines work, efficacy and safety. So uh, the efficacy issue is interesting because the mass media are now allowing out the fact that the old vaccines no longer work, that they don't work against Omicron. And the claim is still being made that they, they prevent hospitalizations and deaths, even though they don't prevent you from catching the disease, you just get a mild disease. That isn't really true. Certainly the UK data does not bear out that claim, but, but that's the, the narrative that we've shifted to over the last few weeks. And if you look at the, the five to 11 year olds where FDA and CDC approved a booster, their first booster in May, only 1.7% of kids in that age range have been given a booster. This is CDC data, mm. which may or may not be accurate. So um, I think parents have figured out that they don't need to give their kids these shots, most parents. And what happened with the kids earlier was, you know, remember they rolled it out in the teenagers first, and there was a tremendous amount of peer pressure. There was a tremendous amount of media. There were gifts given in some jurisdictions. There were contests 
you know, protect your community, protect grandma, all this nonsense. So kids were begging their, even when the parents were frightened, kids were begging to get the shots. And um, I don't think that's going to happen anymore. As for, so that's the efficacy issue. Okay. But then the, the, the federal agencies are going to use that to try to roll out new boosters with an Omicron variant added to the old shots. So they want two different strains in there, the, the extinct Wuhan strain uh, spike and an Omicron spike. Now, we don't know if that's going to be any better because no human data was presented on efficacy to the FDA when they decided to issue that order to the manufacturers about a week ago. Um, okay, in terms of safety, they've been very good at the mainstream media has not covered the safety issues. So it's been an, a question of whether you know somebody who died soon after they got a shot or you know was seriously injured. Now, people say the mainstream media are bought but I would say the mainstream media are rented because we've had two and a half years of bullshit coming out of the mainstream media because the Bill and Melinda Gates Foundation, other foundations, and and federal governments. You know, they, Canada admitted to giving the media $300 million. Um, Bill Gates has given at least that much, and the federal government has given billions. When is that going to stop? You know, if we get a Republican... Um, takeover in Congress, they can simply vote to stop paying off the media, stop paying off hospitals, you know, stop paying off the people who have been censoring the information. And mm. if that were to occur, everyone will soon learn what happened. Now, the, I must say that most Republicans have not been pushing this issue the way you would have expected, because it's obviously a winning issue for an election. So, Presumably, they too are bought or rented, but but there is the possibility too that that if we don't keep buying off the media, and people less and less watch them and consume them, they will have to start providing you know accurate content at least sometimes. Yeah, absolutely. I mean, their mandate is to make profits for their shareholders, so they'll report what they need to report to get the clicks. But uh, that's fascinating to think that when when you said that. Um, if the, if there's a turnover, you, you, I assume you mean in November in the House. Mm -hmm. Yeah. So if the Republicans were to change some of these laws um, in terms of the money being paid to to media, you also mentioned hospitals. Does does this relate to like the CARES Act and the, and the waiving of certain Medicare acts where um, the hospitals had to follow certain protocols, basically the remdesivir and 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 to right. get these huge payoffs? Is that something that can then be just um, legislated yeah. out of existence and then then Absolutely. those healthcare and then those healthcare workers can actually speak up without worrying about losing their jobs that i think that would require new laws you know okay. we have to get protected for example in a number of states now probably about 10 states doctors and pharmacists are protected um, if they want to treat patients with hydroxychloroquine or ivermectin wow. Um, they, you know, there's an explicit opinion by the attorney general, or there's a law by the legislature, or in the case of Florida, the surgeon general has issued something. Uh, and so the, the state apparatus, which, so doctors are regulated by their states, not by the federal government, um, that can't go after them the way it went after me for prescribing these drugs. Um, well, that has only happened in Republican led states so far, no Dem states. And that's relatively recent. 
Yeah, it's all happened within the last um, nine months. Okay. All right. So, so putting partisan party politics aside, these are these are encouraging developments in the sense of creating an avenue by which uh, an alternative. I, I would say accurate narrative can reach the eyes and ears of people who've been, if they weren't aggressively looking for alternatives, they weren't even knowing this was existing. They were just believing everything they were told. So that, that sounds encouraging. I do want to um, go back to something I mentioned earlier. The other day on your Substack, you released a post that connects to what we're talking about. Um, the title of which is, in 2019, Farmer spent a lot of time and money to get vaccine mandates imposed. Why? And then the subtitle is, did they know COVID was coming? So could you just share a little bit with the listeners about what you talk about there? And then we're going to encourage them again to subscribe to your Substack to get this kind of, of really, really important information. So um, what you're referring to is a very long article. It's actually a testimony that I was asked to give in person to the legislature of New Brunswick, Canada in August of 2019, after we had had a, a sweep of states um, where the legislatures tried to push through ending all but medical um, waivers for vaccination for school children. And this had happened at my state, which had never been a big, you know, had never pushed uh, getting rid of wa of waivers, vaccine waivers, and we had high, like 95% vaccine rates. Um, suddenly, pharma spent a lot of money lobbying and all of a sudden had turned many of the professional agencies and they voted to get rid of the philosophical and the religious waiver in Maine for everybody. If you were doing you know, school on the computer, you know, if you, if you were a graduate student anywhere, if you were any kind of student, you were required to have um, the state designated vaccines or get a medical mandate. And they became almost, almost impossible to obtain, wow. even though the, the person who wrote the law had said, oh, medical mandates will be easy to obtain. You know, you just get a doctor to write one. Well, Immediately after the law was passed, the, the medical board started going after doctors who were writing medical waivers for people. So this happened in Maine. It also happened in California, much more worse in California and in New York State. Um, in fact, in New York State, the chair of, of the committee where this bill was heard, so the committee has to vote in favor before it goes to the full um, assembly in New York. And they were lacking one vote. And it's on video where the chairman of that committee actually sticks his finger at one of the members and says, you, and talks to him, and he had to change his vote. Wow. And you, you can see it right there. I, I even provide the link. So anyway, I talk about how pharma was going from state to state and in Canada, province to province, to try to get these laws changed to, to force vaccine mandates in 2019. Hmm. And and I have I don't know there's probably a hundred links it's a, it's almost an encyclopedia yeah. of what's been going on with the vaccine industry and what the evidence is to support vaccination so how good are the vaccines how many people are dying from so-called vaccine preventable diseases you know what are the costs the an interesting point is that in California, after they brought in these draconian laws to 
prevent uh, kids from basically getting a waiver. They, they, they went after doctors. If you give more than four medical waivers in your practice, um, they investigated you, and now they're trying to make it a crime. Uh, and a cr- in California, there's a bill to try to make doctors beach a crime. So if you tell somebody a vaccine might be dangerous in California, a doctor could wind up in jail if that bill passes. Anyway, um, in California, as a result of these measures, instead of having 2,000 kindergartners being homeschooled, it jumped in two years to 7,000 kids. So in other words, the homeschooling increased three and a half times. Mm. And that's a lot. And the local school districts lose money when they don't have children. They get paid by the number of pupils, which means they're going to have to fire teachers and other staff. So, I mean, it's a serious thing for these um, states to consider. And yet California, for reasons best known to itself, and I should mention that um, there were huge fees paid to the there was one person in particular, Senator Pan, who is a physician, a pediatrician, and um, a senator in California. And so he got a lot of money from uh, pharmaceutical companies and has been the prime force pushing this bill. But he's, you know, he's done it effect. Pharma has a lot of money. Yes. You know, they, they, they have, there's no industry, that the vaccine industry is unique in that its products are, excuse me, ordered by the government, their liability for children's vaccines is waived. (coughs) They know exactly how much they have to make because they're told. They know they're going to sell it all. And their their profitability can be up to 40% for a vaccine. And uh, yeah, it's it's unbelievable. So they have- it's, It's easy to understand- the motive, like when, from that lens, it's easy then to look back at the past two and a half years and beyond and make more sense of some of the decisions that have been made. Yeah. And I mean, if you think of the cost to fully vaccinate children in America, you're probably, you're, um, you're almost certainly looking at over $200 billion. Wow. So, and some vaccines are very expensive. So several like Gardasil and Prevnar the, the pneumococcal vaccine cost over $200 a dose. And there are several doses, you know, three doses, uh, d- depending on who you are for, for the Gardasil. And I think three or four doses for Prevnar. Wow. I think Prevnar is uh, $900 just to buy the vaccine if you're getting it from your local doctor uh, for one child. So there's, there's a lot of money involved. And, and far, so pharma made this big push to vaccinate. They've also been testing a lot of um, what are called platforms, different ways of making vaccines. And the FDA has, has been open in its meetings. It talks about the fact that they need a warm, what they call a warm manufacturing base. They want to keep factories open in case we need them for a pandemic or bioterrorism or whatever. So they want a factory that's making vaccines out of dog kidney cells. And they have a factory making flu shots out of um, insect cells. They have a virus that grows in the insect cells. And that is called flu block. Um, They have some that are using novel adjuvants, some that are using very high doses of antigen. But there's a lot of different ways um, 
vaccines are being trialed right now. And again, you know, we don't re- we don't know if which one is better or worse. The data are not, I mean, FDA and CDC have such data, but they're not telling the public. And at one time we had over a dozen different flu shots. And when you walked into a drugstore or your doctor's office, you did not know which one you were getting. Hmm. You did not know if it was the right one for you. Wow. So, and so when you say, when you use the word warm in this context, if all these different um, platforms are constantly being, are in use, let's say a crisis, um, a real or perceived crisis occurs, they can just plug in with, without any, like, the, 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 exactly. it's, like it's already moving, like they hit the ground running. It is, you're not starting from scratch. So it's, it's like, it's a pretty genius business model. Mm-hmm. Wow. Correct. All right. So as we move towards wrapping up, um, based on what you know and some of the stuff we talked about here, as we head into the second half of 2022, what do you think it's going to look like in, uh, related to topics like COVID, vaccine mandates, and anything to do with the, the medical industry, the big farmer, and all the, the massive propaganda machine used to keep us manipulated to go along with it? How do you see, just for example, the next six months going? Well, um, uh, yeah, I don't have a crystal ball. I think, I think the monkeypox is, is very interesting because it's not severe. Uh, it was claimed that there was a 1% to 10% mortality rate. We haven't seen any mortality. Um, but, of course, that's what rem- people remember what they hear first. Yes. They've, they've stopped saying 85%. They've stopped saying 1% to 10% mortality. But that's what people remember. There, it's no mortality right now. Um, so will that, it seems to spread uh, incredibly rapidly. Does that, I think it was probably a genetically engineered version of monkeypox. It showed up on four continents at the same time. Um, it never spread human to human like this before. Um, and it, it seems very transmissible. People are not getting a lot of pox. They're not getting very sick. It's, it doesn't seem like the illness that people thought they knew. Um, why did we even have a vaccine that got licensed for monkeypox? I mean, that's another question. Why did they put that in the license when they hadn't tested it to see if it was effective against monkeypox? So it seems like, um, you know, there was an opportunity for the, the cabal, the, the elites, whoever is doing this to us, they had an opportunity with monkeypox. They, for, they missed the fact that it could be called moneypox, which is what I usually call it. And um, that makes clear, you know, where it's likely to be coming from. So I, I think that that was an attempt to keep people scared when the fear of COVID is going away, because according to CDC, 95% of the public has full to partial immunity based on having had a case or having been vaccinated. And they, they said that in April, in February, they said 75% of kids were already immune. Um, so I think people, people are figuring this out. They're not worrying about COVID anymore. We could have new strains of COVID coming. It seems that the Omicron strain, which did not derive from any of the previous strains, but came up de novo. It's Yes, it is a beta coronavirus, but it's quite different. It has 35 to 50 mutations in the spike that weren't there in the earlier strains. So that one too probably came out of a lab. It was more transmissible, but less severe, kind of like monkeypox. Hmm. Um, and it, it's taken us to a high degree of immunity, which is a, a good thing. 
Now, what what the other side wants to do? I don't think the pharmaceutical companies are running this this charade. I think that this is a, a you know very wealthy globalists um, being helped by the World Economic Forum um, are really after getting us under total surveillance, you know, digital IDs, and the vaccine passport was was the pathway to get there. Yes, and that's why the um, transmissibility, the infectiousness of a virus was important to them so that they could claim that people getting vaccinated, you know, could would have to show a passport to get services, to get into a restaurant, whatever. And um, of course, now that the vaccine didn't work to prevent cases, they can't use that excuse. And Bill Gates said that at Davos, you know, a few weeks ago. Yes. So what else? So what they really want is the passport. What they really want is to control us more. What they want is to get our money all electronic, no cash, um, so they can see how we're spending our money and cut it off if they want to. Um, I mean, we can. We only have to look at the social credit score and how the Chinese government does things. If you don't go along with the government's program, your kids don't get to go to good schools. You know, you are restricted in many ways. Um, do we want that here? Obviously we don't, but people don't know what could happen. They don't know that <laughs> companies like Microsoft, you know, been working aggressively on uh, vaccine passports, which you can just call something else. You just call it digital ID. You know, yes. I tried to get on a plane and they said, you know, your your driver's license is not going to be good next year. The federal government has been trying to get everybody on the same um, electronic system uh, in order to get on an airplane. Well, I've deliberately not moved my license over to that system because I feel like they're already listening to me with my phone and my computer. And why should I allow them to track me with my driver's license too? Likewise. Yeah. I, I just yesterday interviewed someone for the podcast who, um, a journalist named Nick Corbishley, who wrote um, a book called Scanned about basically everything you just said in, in how the vaccine um, mandates were the entry point to getting to this digital ID, the social credit system. Like he called it like a, a global biometric uh, dictatorship or something like that, mm -hmm. where, where everything you do is tracked. And it, and when there's, they're so clever because when you talk about it, just saying the phrase, everything you do is tracked has been stigmatized in our culture as like, Oh, you're tinfoil hat conspiracy theorists. But as you said, all you got to do is look, it's, it's like the steps are happening right in front of you. And I agree. I, it's, it's the, the, the big farmer plays a role, but there, there are powers higher than them. The Black Rocks, the vanguards, the Bill and Melinda Gates, as you said, and then World Economic Forum. The, it, this isn't, this isn't um, a made-up fantasy because if you go to their website, they tell you they're doing it. It's, it's, you know, when, when Klaus Schwab writes a book, The Great Reset, the, it, it, it kind of uh, clarifies that, no, he's not denying these claims. He's saying this is, he says, is going to be good for us. And that's, that's, that's the first red flag when somebody with that much power says, I'm going to do something. Don't worry, it's good for you. I was like, okay, this, that, now you've just guaranteed a no from me at this point. So I hear you loud and clear. It's, it's, it's something that, I'm glad you're out there talking about it, and it's kind of a mission of mine. And I feel like um, what, what I, whatever progresses next, the, our, our um, defense against it is this critical thinking, independent thought, doing your own research, and sharing, self-consciously sharing what you learn. And some people will dismiss you, but 
I, I'm, I hope you could say the same, but I find more and more people kind of picking up tidbits and starting to look into stuff and going, you know, I heard someone else saying what you were saying. And I listened to this podcast or there was a guest on this show. And I feel like the, that, uh, they, they may have overestimated the powers that the powers we're talking about have overestimated how easily we will, uh, compromise and, and, be, and, be, be compliant. A certain percentage will be, and I think that's the case everywhere. But I feel that I, I feel there's enough people um, putting their feet down and saying, no, this, this isn't going to happen. Well, the people don't want it. I mean, Boris Johnson is out now, is about yes. to be out in the UK. And um, Macron, who is a major globalist banker, um, got, you know, lost in the election. I mean, his party lost a lot in the elections. And here, you know, the Republicans have been sweeping when there have been elections. So, and and presumably they will in November. So, you know, as soon as people wake up, when people say, I'm not going to comply, that's the end of it. Exactly. They, they, don't, they don't have enough people to um, control us at this point, you know, until they have robots that will obey them. You know, you can't, you're not going to turn all the police and all the army against their own citizens. So, no. um and it's a dystopian future that they're planning, this this incredibly, um, you know, controlled future. Why would anyone want it? And we have to fight back because of our children. We have to get, I mean, our founders gave us this wonderful document, which, which we've sort of trashed in the last decades. And we have to take it back and say we have, we have rights. I mean, this surveillance goes against the Fourth Amendment of the Constitution. You know, the inability for a doctor to tell his patient that he thinks a drug or vaccine might be dangerous, that's that's enshrined in the First Amendment. You can't put a doctor in jail for that, but that's what they're trying to do. Yes. Um, you know, we just have to basically go back to what the Constitution says. It enshrines rights. We, you know, we, we have other law that gives us bodily autonomy and informed consent. And the government has taken that away from us. I mean, you have to, by law, you have to give informed consent to people if they're not taking a licensed drug. It's an experiment. By law, an unlicensed vaccine or drug is experimental and you must give informed consent. So all these mandates you know, of unlicensed products are illegal. Government's going ahead with that. So far, we haven't had many, you know, all these cases are sitting in la-la land. Very few have been fully litigated. And um, how far will they go? Will, will the judges put a stop to it. You know, in some places in Europe, they are in Uruguay, a doctor, uh, sorry, a judge just demanded that the Pfizer contracts, for example, all the contracts to make the vaccines for COVID are secret. They're classified. How can you do that? These are federal contracts. They're not, they're not, this is HHS contracts. They're not military. How can you yeah. classify them? So in Uruguay, the judge said he wants all the contracts in 48 hours. Let's see what happens. Good for him. Yeah, I mean, how could you, if you, if you, you can't have both. If you want it to be secret, then you can't mandate it. You know, they, they right. give us, give us that informed consent you just mentioned. And, and yeah, it really does come down to the Bill of Rights. It sounds almost reductionist to say that, but uh, in um, October of last year, 2021, I went to a rally in Times Square and Robert F. Kennedy Jr. gave the keynote speech and a big chunk of his speech was breaking down amendment by amendment of the, of the violations mm -hmm. that have happened. And it was one of the most powerful presentations because, because it was so accessible. The, the people was moved to tears in the crowd at a point where you realize these fundamental rights 
that these people in charge have the audacity to try and take them away. And I, I share your, I share your, um, I don't know if optimism is the right word, but I feel like th that enough people are saying I will not comply and that number is going to grow. It's just heartbreaking to think that other there will be people who suffer from side effects from the from the shots and th like th there will be prices to pay for those who initially complied. But I think that the ultimate thing is is thinking of the future generations and the decisions we're making now are going to shape their lives for a long time. And for that reason and that reason alone, I, I, I feel like I can never remain silent. So, and I, I would obviously assume the same of you. So uh, speaking of that, thank you so much for making time to do this for a second time. I want to say again, good luck with the cases you're involved in. And I want to urge listeners to follow your Substack. I will put all the links, et cetera, in the show notes that, so they can track you down, including our previous interview. And I'm just uh, so glad you're out there doing what you do and lending your incredible lifetime of expertise to, to verify this information for people so that it, it isn't just um, hearsay or a funny meme that someone's sharing. They're sharing um, documentable facts and, and you're playing a crucial role in this. So thank you for that. Mickey, can I say one more thing? Absolutely. Thanks. People should watch the attempts to um, degrade and reduce the food supply and should pay attention to the fact that the gas prices, this is what the globalists wanted. They want us to not have enough food, to have trouble heating our homes and riding in our cars. Um, this is intended to weaken us and help them bring in this great reset. And, um, you know, we, <laughs> we can fight back. You know, the, the farmers in Holland in the last yes. couple of days have been fighting back and they say, we are not going to reduce the production of, of all our livestock by 30% because you say we're producing too much nitrogen. I mean, come on. Why, you know, people are predicting famine and you're telling us to reduce our food production by 30%. That's yeah. crazy. And um, so pay attention. These things are happening. You know, people are trying to tighten the noose around us, but there are 8 billion of us and a few thousand of them. And it's going to be easy to win, you know, once people understand what's going on. Amen to that. Um, that's what a perfect way to end. So, Meryl, thank you again. Good luck with all you're doing. And um, I would love to continue staying in touch with you. I really appreciate all the information you share. Thank you, Mickey. Good talking. The only story I have to end with this week is just a reminder that we are going through just another version of the same story, the story of propaganda, oppression, division, and the story of the powers that shouldn't be expecting us to just quietly go along with their insane, psychopathic, parasitic plans. So I'm going to end, instead of with a full story, I'm going to end with a quote from Asada Shakur, who said, people get used to anything. The less you think about your oppression, the more your tolerance for it grows. After a while, people just think oppression is the normal state of things. But to become free, you have to be acutely aware of being a slave. Because no one is going to give you the education you need to overthrow them. So, in the name of self-empowerment and self-liberation, I suggest you start by keeping your guard up.